It is indeed a great pleasure tonight to assemble with each one of you to worship our God in spirit and in truth. A great pleasure and a great privilege that none of us should take for granted and all of us should look forward to every time we possibly can. As you see on the board tonight, we would like to preach about what Luke 24, verse 46 and 47 talks about, and that is preaching repentance. Go with me, if you will, to the book of Luke, the 24th chapter. Now, in Luke 24, this is Luke's account of the gospel. We have studied that extensively uh, through this meeting. Notice, please, what he said in Luke 24, beginning verse 46. The Bible said, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. The message of repentance was not new to Jesus. John the Baptist preached repentance, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus indeed preached it. The apostles preached it. Other inspired men of God preached it. You can find it from Matthew through Revelation, the need for repentance. I am fearfully afraid today that many of us do not repent when we should. I am also afraid that many times when we are talking to people, trying to persuade them to live a good, godly, Christian life, and they need to make changes in their life, that we don't ask for repentance. We merely ask for confession and prayer. I'm going to be addressing a few of those things tonight. And I, all the stories and illustrations that I will give tonight during this lesson are true. It is not normal for me to give a lot of illustrations, real life illustrations, but I'm going to do that tonight because it makes this point uh, solid within your heart and in your mind. It will help you and help me to better understand it and will really poke and prod me a little bit to call for repentance. I was listening to an audio um, CD one day and the preacher who I did not know but a member of the church had given me this CD and asked me would I please listen to it and then tell them what I thought. Well this speaker was a very good speaker and I was enjoying listening. I just went to my office and plugged it in and I just sat in there listening and all of a sudden he made a point. He said the hardest command in the Bible is the command to repent. I stopped the player and I thought, the hardest command in the Bible is the command to repent. At first, I was not ready to embrace that. The, I mean, if it said one of the hardest, I'm all aboard. The hardest, I just wasn't quite ready to embrace that yet. I backed up and listened to his uh, last few moments before he made that statement again, and he said it again, of course, replaying, he said, the hardest command in the Bible is the command to repent. 
And then I listened to several more minutes and I stopped again. Because I began to think, you know, this gentleman may be right. There's a lot of hard commands. The word of God even said there are many hard sayings in the scripture. There's a lot of hard things in scripture, but we can do it. God is on our side. We can do it. But I'm zeroing in on repentance today. The hardest command in the Bible to obey is repentance. Just think about it. When you are asked to repent, or I am asked to repent, or we ask somebody else to repent, what is it we're asking people to do? We're asking people to make a change. A change of their mind and a change of their ways. By itself, that's hard. Otherwise, I'd weigh 150 pounds. We know changes are not easy. Many of you have situations in your life that if you could change, and you did change, you know you'd be better, but change does not come easy. But spiritually, we must learn to repent and make the necessary changes of our mind and changes of our ways. I was in a Bible study one night with this young lady and, and she was really a good student of the scriptures and as we were studying the scriptures we had been studying about salvation and about the need to repent and to make things right when it's necessary and as she was leaving my office I, I remember distinctly. She stopped and she turned around and, and she leaned on the doorway and she said, Brother Allen, how do I know if I've truly repented of my sins? Wow, that was a very good question this young lady asked. And I gave the best answer I knew at that time to give her. And it wasn't but just a couple of weeks or so later we had a couple of visitors attend. One of our members had passed away and we're taking care of her service, her funeral service. And her daughter, daughter-in-law one, I think it was a daughter-in-law, she came to services and she came and she sat right up here on the front row. And after services, I went over to speak with her and let her know I was glad she was there and once again offered my condolences for the loss of her mother-in-law. And she said, what, what do I need to do? She said, my mother-in-law loved this church. And I want to be a member of this church. What do I need to do? Well, of course, I set out to explain the plan of salvation according to scripture. And I went right, marched my way right through it. And she was not a member of the Lord's church. And when I got through, her immediate question was, what is repentance? You know, today, you and I, we know what repentance is. To me and you, repentance is a household word. But people in the world, by and large, they don't know what repentance is. They don't ever hear repentance. Many of the modern translations omit the word repentance. They would put a change of life, change of ways, change your mind. And that is the definition of repentance. And that's fine to do that. But the word repentance is almost archaic 
in our language today. That's hard to imagine, but it's really true. People in this community are no different than people in the community where I live, in Oklahoma City, or Dallas before that, or Missouri before that. People just simply don't know what repentance is. I'm talking about people who are unchurched, people who do not know the Bible. They're just simply foreign from Scripture. But good hearts and good people, no doubt. Well, I had a great conversation with her, and later she was baptized and became our sister in the faith. There's a lot of people today that need to be reached. Be prepared with the right message to give to them. Oh, no doubt at all. I have no doubt. Majority of you today who are members of the church, you can show people how you must hear the word of God. And you must believe the word of God. I know you can do that with, with great amount of success. And you can tell them they need to confess the name of Jesus. They need to establish their faith. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And they need to be buried in baptism for the remission of their sin. No doubt you could do that. But do you know what? What about repentance? Now this is going to be a little bit piercing. It may be a little bit bold even. It might be a little bit offensive. But if it is, take it. If the shoe fits, wear it. Okay? When is the last time you ever ask someone to repent? You're probably thinking, now, Alan, you could have talked all day and never asked that. But I'm serious. When is the last time you asked anybody to repent of their sins? A baptized believer who has lost their spiritual way and they need to come back to the Lord and repent, confess, and have prayer? Many of them thinking, yes, I need to come back and make a confession. Yeah, they do. They need to repent too. My dear friends, when you see people and you know people and you're talking to those who are out of duty of the faith, who've gone astray, the Bible said, who've erred from the right way, you know, who have committed sin in their life, they need to be taught to repent, confess, and have prayer. That is part of God's great plan and we need to embrace that because that is God's will, God's way. And that is taught in Scripture. I'm not making this up tonight. This is all taken from but chapter and verse. A baptized believer who commits sin are also told to hear the Word of God. They're told to believe the Word of God, to repent, change their life, change their ways, change their thinking, confess their faults, and have prayer. Repentance. I'm going to encourage you, to urge you, to poke you, to prod you, to get it part of your vocabulary that when you're speaking to someone who doesn't know the Lord, who's not currently living a Christian life, that in the process of helping them, let them know they need to repent. The Bible teaches us to preach repentance. Convey that to other people. Our point number three and four on the board is to a sinner who's told to repent and to saints 
who are told to repent. Now, a sinner is a non-baptized person. Simply not baptized into Jesus Christ. They're not members of the Lord's church. Now, I'm not necessarily read all these verses, but I'll reference them. And I know several of you probably have already have this written down. And some of you took a picture of it, but you might want to take another picture because I had the wrong letter there. <clears throat> Jesus gave this passage. In Luke 13, verse 3, Jesus said, I tell you nay, except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Very unusual, but it's found in the Bible at least twice. In verse 5, Luke 13, 3, and Luke 13, 5, Jesus repeats himself. He gives another illustration from the Old Testament. And then he compared the current people with the people of the old. He said, I tell you nay, except you repent, you will likewise perish. Wow. Understand, repent or perish. Listen, there's nothing fun about this word perish. When you read and study the word of God, you can see Jesus saying, if you don't believe in me, you're going to be damned. There's nothing pleasant about that word, just like nothing pleasant about the word perish. Jesus said, you deny me, I would deny you. We don't want any part of those kind of things. We need to step up to the plate. We need to take our spiritual life seriously. Let it be first and foremost in our life. And whatever it takes, whatever we have to compromise and give up in our physical life, let's do it to do what the Lord teaches. Well, Luke 13, 3 and 5, Jesus made it clear. We've already read Luke 24, 46 and 47, where he said, preaching repentance and remission of sins. In Acts 2.38, a chapter we studied the other night, we gave 10 points taken for this chapter. But in Acts 2.38, it says, you know, Peter answered this people that said, what we have us to do in verse 37, he said, repent. Right off the bat, repent. Now, I'll be very frank with you today. We have not been accustomed to when someone asks us a question, what do I need to do to straighten up? Very few of us have said, repent. Now, we normally say, well, you need to be baptized. Or, if they've already been baptized, you need to make a confession and have prayer. Dear friend, I'm honest with you today. We are not calling on people to repent and making a change. And when people are not making a change, we haven't done them a great service. We have made them feel good without making a change in their heart, a change in their will and ways, and it's just not good. All right, would you look with me at Acts 3 and 19, which is very similar to Acts 2 and 38. Acts the third chapter, verse 19, says, Repent and be converted. That your sins may be blotted out. For the time of refreshing shall come. When you look at the gospel of Acts 2.38, where he called on people to repent, you look at Acts 3.19, he called on people to repent. These were people who had never obeyed the gospel and baptism. This is the church in its early stages. 
And then Acts 11, 19, the Gentiles were given the same privileges the Jews were given, repentance unto life. Now I hurried through those, but I want you to turn your Bible to Acts 17 and verse 30. I will turn also. I want you to look at this in your scriptures. Whatever translation you've chosen to use, I'll be preaching for the King James as I do. And I want you to listen carefully. This is very serious discussion. Acts 17 and verse 30. And the time of this ignorance, God winked at. But now command, listen now, all men everywhere to repent. Guess what? All men includes you and me. Everywhere, that's you, that's me. Every one of us, everywhere we are, we all should repent. God commands all men everywhere to repent. So my, may I please encourage you, if you have sin in your life, understand the necessity of repentance. So is the baptized believer going to point four? Saints? Saints is baptized believers. So as a baptized believer, it's one who has been saved at the point of baptism. It is a wonderful, wonderful, joyous day. The day that you walk into this water, a dry sinner, and you walk out a wet Christian. You're immersed in water, according to the New Testament scripture. You're buried in water. As Jesus, when he was baptized, he was coming up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were open. And a dove, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove and lighted upon him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Wow. That's all recorded, by the way, in Matthew 3. Verse 16 and verse 17. The baptism of Jesus. Matthew 3. Verse 16 and verse 17. But they came up out of the water. You know today. If an individual did not know better. And they wanted to know what baptism is. They very likely would go to. Maybe a collegiate dictionary. Just a school dictionary. And look at baptism. And you know what they're going to find. By and large, you will find sprinkling, pouring, or immersion. But you do not look up Bible words by a human dictionary like that. You look Bible words up in a Bible dictionary. Because over the course of time, some words have changed its meaning. So I encourage you today, whatever your Bible study habits are, that you really focus in on the need to repent. And as a saint, as a baptized believer, whenever you commit sin, I want you to realize this. In order for you to go to heaven, you must repent of what you sinned. You lied, you cheated, you cursed, you was immoral, you forsook the assembly, you did whatever, whatever it was you did, I want you to think about it before you do it. If I'm going to be saved, I'm tempted to do this, whatever the this is. 
I must repent of that sin or I'm going to go to hell with that sin. Sometimes that can be a helpful motivator not to sin. Because you say, I'm going to have to own up to it sooner or later. I'm going to have to pray to God. I'm going to have to confess my faults to one another and then pray to God. Some way, somehow, oh, Alan's got to repent when I sin. I need to know that. And you know, that really helps not to sin. Now, we all do sin. I know that. We all make mistakes. Some intentional, some unintentional, but a sin is a sin. Every sin has to be repented so you can make it right and things are right with you and the Lord. Well, the Word of God says the following in Acts 8, 22. I really, really, really wanted to teach on Acts 8 this week. I was going through my notebook today and I was seeing a sermon. Oh yeah, I wanted to preach that. Oh, oh, oh yeah, I wanted to preach that too. Well, I think we can stop for another week and we cover quite a bit of material. That's not the plan, of course. I'll be leaving here, Lord willing, on Monday. Acts 8, chapter verse 22. Acts 8 is wonderful. I want to give you a couple of brief highlights. I am not going to get distracted. I'm going to stay on our course about preaching repentance, okay? But I do want to show you a couple of details. Acts 8, the gospel goes to the city of Samaria. Many of them obeyed the gospel and baptism. Would you please look at verse 12? And verse 12 it said in Acts 8, but when they believed Philip's preaching, the things concerning the kingdom of God, the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Many of the Samaritans were baptized. That was the final step for them to become a New Testament Christian. The very next verse introduces another person, Simon the sorcerer. So please look at him in verse 13. Then Simon himself believed also... When he was baptized, he continued with Philip, wondering, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Simon himself believed also and was baptized. Now, doesn't that sound familiar? Believed and was baptized. Mark 16, verse 16, Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Simon Sorcerer believed and was baptized, and he was saved at that moment. Today, in order for you to be saved, you have to do the same thing the Samaritans did and Simon. However, Simon, he was just taken back and was in awe at the miracles the apostles were able to do. I don't know how much time elapsed. A few hours, a few days, a few weeks, I don't know. But somewhere between verse 13 and verse 22, he sinned. Peter rebuked him sharply. Look at verse 22. Look what Peter said in Acts 8 and verse 22. Peter said, Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness and pray God. You wonder where we get repentance and prayer? There it is. Repent and pray to God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. And went on to say, Simon said, Would you pray for me? Why the Bible does not say Philip did, I have no doubt that he did. What religious spiritual person would not? 
Please understand. I want you to go to heaven. I want our names to be written in the Lamb's book of life. I want our name to be written in heaven, the theme of this meeting. And we've encouraged you from night to night and variety of lessons and variety of thoughts trying to evaluate our life according to Scripture to make sure that our name is written in heaven. Listen today. If you've never been baptized, your name is not written in heaven. I'm telling you right now. If you have been baptized and you've sinned, you need to repent, confess, and prayer in order to get your name reinstated in the Lamb's Book of Life because the Bible talks about those whose sins are blotted out. Believe me, in the day of judgment, I do not want the Lord to look at where my name used to be and there's nothing there but a blur, a blot. I don't want any part of that. I don't want it for you. I don't want it for you. And I sure don't want it for me. We must repentance. Repentance is not an option. It is the command of God. In 2 Peter 3 and verse 9, Peter, who is the apostle, who preached his sermon in Acts 2 to the Jews, Peter preached his sermon in Acts 10 and also into chapter 11 to the Gentiles. Here now, in 2 Peter 3, 9, years later, he said, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but he is long-suffering. He's not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. Peter said the same thing that Jesus said right here. Luke 13, 3, Luke 13, 5, 2 Peter 3, 9, they match Repent or perish. The Lord doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants them all to repent. I do not know what else could motivate us to say, man, we got to change. We got to do the right thing here. We don't want to capture ourselves weighed and found wanting in that final day. In Revelation, point three and four, under point four here before saints, baptized believers, I'm not going to read all of these, but Revelation 2 and Revelation 3, they, they deal with the seven congregations in Asia. Five of the seven congregations, there was fault found within the congregation. Each of these congregations were told to repent. Revelation 2 and verse 5, church at Ephesus was told to repent. Each of them Revelation 2 and verse 16. Revelation 2 and verse 21. Now in the next chapter. Revelation 3, 3. And then Revelation 3 and 19. Now these five verses listed here in chapter 2 and 3. Revelation 2, 5, 16, 21. Revelation 3, verse 3 and verse 19. These five congregations were told to repent. That passage is the verse that says repent. So here's what we find. Five congregations are told, repent, 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 repent. Now, why are we not calling on people to repent? Why not? The Lord called on these congregations to repent, which is one of my next points here that we will make. I encourage you, for you to be saved and you have sin in your life, whatever it is, Repent of it. 
That's the only way you can go to heaven. Without it, you will not go. And I'm telling you, I'm not being rude. I'm being plain. I want to be very direct. I don't want you to have to wonder. Now, what's he really trying to say? I'm saying what Jesus said, repent or perish. Point number five, conflict resolution. Conflict with God, how to resolve that issue. Repentance is there. In Luke 17, verse 3 and 4, would you please turn with me and I'll turn with you. This is the case of one-on-one individual conflict. And in Luke 17, this is right to the point with nothing to question and nothing to doubt. Luke 17, verse 3 and verse 4, Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. If he repent, forgive him. Excuse me. If he what? If he repent, forgive him. Verse 4. If he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, said, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. You see how individually I do you wrong? And you come to me and say, Now, Alan. Uh, you said this or you did this or whatever I did wrong and, and you bring it to my attention. That's what you should do. I need to repent. I need to say, whoa, I am so sorry for that. I need to repent and change my ways about that and I don't need to lie about you no more. I don't need to steal anything you got no more. Whatever I did, I don't need to do no more, okay? You know what I would much rather you do? Not only with me, but with anybody. If someone has committed and trespassed against you, they've sinned against you, go talk to them and not go talk to somebody else about them. Now, that's the right way to do it. I don't know why it is today that people feel like they need to get a posse and go get, tell everybody in the world about it and then get around to going talking to him. One day I arrived at a location to hold a gospel meeting. I had not even got out of my car. I drove in this gentleman's yard, and he was outside. And, and I saw him walking over, so I just rolled down my window and said, How are you doing? He said, Well, I'm doing real fine. I said, Well, we got problems. I said, Well, hello to you. He said, Man, so and so, we're into it. And he said, What I want you to do, I want you to go with us. Let's get it all worked out before the meeting starts. Well, now, I didn't ask him questions. I said, well, go ahead, jump in, let's go. So we go over to this other gentleman's house, and we get sitting there talking, and, and this brother who was, I was taking with him, I was his, his Uber driver. I drove him over to that house, and I got out with the guy, and, and I just kind of sit there and listen like I'm not on a log. I didn't have any business being there, I found out real quick. He said, I will tell you something, brother. said, you sinned against me. And you did this, you did that. And he said, well, my Bible teaches me in Matthew 18 that if you've got all, you come by yourself. What's he doing here? I thought, yeah, what am I doing here? You know, so I go back and get my car. Guess what? I didn't need to be there. I did not have any part of being there. He was right. I was wrong. So I just went back and got my car ready for the next Uber rider. I am an Uber driver, by the way. That's why I mentioned Uber. I'm not advertising. But 
They worked it out. And he got back in my car and I said, listen, babe, I was wrong in getting out. I should not have even come here. You should have had this handled before I got here. And then on the next first service that meeting, I mentioned, I'm glad brethren who had a conflict were they able to resolve it. And, uh, and I, I made a big blunder in going when I should not have gone. That's the second step where you take one or two more, not the first step. So if you have a trouble, problem, ill will, bad thoughts with somebody, go talk to them. Do not go talk about them. Go talk to them. Pour out your heart. Here's my concern. Please let's work this thing out. Most time, when you go with the right attitude, you're going to find success. Okay. Congregation that time need to repent. Now we know that from Revelation 2 and 3, and we illustrated that here. These are New Testament Christians in the congregation of Asia. Okay. Now point number six. Okay, we're doing real good on time. We'll be through here in a few minutes. <clears throat> Fruit meat for repentance. I arrived at one location, and remember all of these stories are true. I arrived at one location one day, and the meeting began the next. And I got up, you know, for the morning breakfast, and we visited with the family where I was staying. And, and the lady of the home gave me a newspaper, bang, laid right in front of me. And she had a big marker around this particular article. And I said, I guess you want me to read that article. She said, yeah, I do. So I started reading it, and my eyes got bigger and bigger, and I thought, whoa. I said, wow, that's bad. She said, yeah, it's bad. It was two ladies in the congregation, young ladies. One was a teenager, one was in her upper 20s. And one of the teenagers was upper teenage years, but the other was in her 20s or so. And they had been arrested for immorality, selling their bodies, and for drugs, illegal drugs. And they were in the county jail. Well, on Monday, I got up after Sunday and all that. And on Monday, I got up and said, well, let's go see what, how many hoops I got to jump through to get to see those girls. Because I baptized one of them several years earlier. And oh, believe me, you had to jump through a bunch. But I finally got it done in the afternoon, early afternoon. So I got to go and set my little box and... And had a little plexiglass area. And I got to pick up a phone and talk to them. And one of them that came around was kind of shocked. Who's coming to see me on Monday morning? And, and she came around and said, oh, I thought you would come. I heard you was going to be here. I just didn't know you was coming this early. She said, now, before you say anything, I want to tell you something. Uh, I sinned, and I want to make a confession. You know what I said? Confession? I went to preaching right there in that little box. I said, confession, you need to repent. You've done this over and over and over again. I baptized you. You made a commitment to the Lord. You devote yourself to living a Christian life. And here I am talking away. And I know somebody somewhere is listening to all of that. I should have said, you too, by the way. <laughs> I did not do that part. <laughs> But I told her, I said, confession, yes, but you got to repent. you got to change your mind, your ways, your actions. You have been immoral. I can't believe you. Now, I knew this lady, so I poured it on her. Well, she said, oh, I'm really sorry, and I want to repent and confess and have prayer. So we did. We had prayer and all that. And then the guy in the box said, by the way, uh, just hang on there. We'll send the other girl. 
I took a deep breath. I bet you wouldn't have to do that again. Preached the same sermon in five minutes. We took about 20, but anyway, she got down there, and she said, they've already told me who's here. I kind of thought you might come, but uh, I didn't know if I wanted to see you or not, but I guess I will. I said, well, thank you. I don't know whether to say thank you or I love you or whatever, but let me, what's going on, girl? What's going on? He said, I don't, I don't have an explanation, but I messed up. She set out to tell me all she messed up. And she said, I really feel terrible. This brings shame on the church, reproach on the church. People know I'm not doing right. And I, I really, I know I need to make a confession. And she said, oh, prayer. Okay. Is that all? No, no, you got to repent. You got to repent. You've got to change your life, change your will, change your ways. You've got to do that, girl. You've got to make a commitment. When you get out of here, you're going to be a new person. You're going to live a Christian life. And if you have to go through some um, center to get better, we'll do that. I'm willing to help you, but you've got to be willing to help yourself. Long story, I was there for quite a little while, as long as they would let me. And finally, time was up. Of course, they could not come to the meeting. It was weeks before one of them got out and the other was, had to stay in and got sentenced for a couple of two or three years in prison. I'll tell you something. We're not doing anybody any favors if we do not tell them to repent. They may not like it, but you need to tell them anyway. Let me tell you what. You don't ever be offended when someone comes to you and says, Brother or sister, you need to repent. You said this, you did that. Don't be offended. Be thankful that they love you enough to come talk to you. Well, in the Bible, it talks about fruit, meat for repentance. In Matthew 3 and 8, Luke 3 and 8, Acts 26 and 20, they all talk about fruit, meat for repentance. Let me explain what that is. Fruit is your work, your actions, your deeds, your conduct, and normally I write behavior, but I run out of room. All right? Your work, your action, your deed, your conduct, your behavior. That's what the fruit is. Positive proof of repentance. Meet meant befitting to or corresponding to. Your repentance, which is your change of mind and your change of ways. What does that really mean? What it means is fruit, meat for repentance means your work, actions, deeds, and conduct correspond to your change of mind and change of way. In other words, you're doing better. You're walking a straighter line. You're walking down the straight and narrow pathway. You're living a Christian life now. That's what it means. That's fruit, meat for repentance. So don't get upset. If you go out here and you live some wicked, righteous living like the prodigal son did, and then you come back and you want to make things right with the church, and you really repent, you confess, and you have prayer, and the brethren graciously accept you, and the sisters hug, their, hug your neck, and they are very happy to have you back. But if they just ask you to, you know, just sit back and don't push yourself on the congregation. Men like leading singing, leading prayer, giving lessons. No, no, let's wait and see your actions, your deeds, your conduct, and your behavior. Let them see fruit. 
Boy, people don't like that. They don't like to be waiting to show them fruit. But that's what needs to happen. I preach this all over the country. Congregation, do not rush into it because that person may need some help, some guidance, some instruction. So don't put the congregation in jeopardy. Don't put them in the pulpit just because you need another teacher. Okay? Well, I'm going to hasten on now. Our final two point, point seven, point eight. Heaven wants you to repent. And Luke 15, verse 7 and 10. Oh, I'm going to give you a chance to turn because this is a dynamic set of verses. I love these verses. And Luke, the 15th chapter, verse 7 through 10, you find there is joy in heaven. I'll turn with you. There is joy in heaven when one person repents. The Bible said, Luke 15 and verse 7, I say unto you, likewise there shall be joy in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. Though more than over 99 just persons that need no repentance. And then, look at verse 10. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Wow. Isn't it great to know when one person repents of their sins, there's joy in heaven. Can you imagine? There's joy in the presence of the angels of heaven. I've had people say, who's rejoicing? I don't know. Everybody. It says joy in the presence of the angels. It might be other angels rejoicing and angels saying angels rejoice. I don't really know about all that, but I do know this. There's joy in heaven. There's joy in the presence of the angels of heaven. And I don't know who all are jumping up and down, but let me tell you what. If there's joy in heaven, there needs to be joy in my heart. That is wonderful. That should motivate us that much more. That shows how much God wants you to be saved. Enough that when one person there are 99 righteous ones that are in good shape spiritually. But one person returns, repents, there's joy in the presence of the angels of heaven. Wow, I love that. And our final point is not near as nice, not near my favorite, but it's true. Hell wants you to repent. In Luke 16, verse 30, the story of the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man died and in hell. He lifted up his eyes, been in torment. And he made one request. And Abraham said, no. Another request. Abraham said, no. And finally said, would you please send Lazarus back to my father's house? I've got five brothers. And if he would testify to them, they would repent. Abraham said, you know what? Even if they were to see somebody rise from the dead, they wouldn't repent. If they won't hear Moses and the prophets, they won't repent, though one rose from the dead. I'll tell you what, 